Okay, so I cried preparing this teaching, so hopefully I got it out of my system and we'll be good to go. I'm pretty much dead inside, so I think we'll be okay. It's been so much emotion the last few months. Um, okay, Father, bless this teaching and uh, just let it be all that you want it to be. Let your spirit come. Amen. Okay, so I don't know how well everyone in here knows me, but I am not great at leaving things that I love. Um, I'm, I'm not great at change. And so to prove that point, I thought I'd show you a map of all the places I've lived in the United States. So that is, that's the United States, and uh, you can't tell, but I've lived in five or six places on that map. So let's just zoom in a little bit. Next one, yeah, I still can't really tell, can you? And that's only three states. All right, let's go even closer. There you go. In my entire life, those are all the places I've lived. Um, The orange one is where I, you know, I mean, I was technically born in New York, but we moved when I was one. So the orange one is where I grew up for the first 17 years of my life. The purple one is where I live now. (laughs) They're about three miles away from each other. In fact, The furthest distance I've ever traveled, the top one is where my dad lives now, and the green one is where we lived when all of our kids were born. That's 12 miles. So the most, the biggest radius I've ever had in my life is about a 10-minute drive. Um, My dad, I can remember growing up, and we'd go visit Ohio, where he grew up, and he would take me around town and show me all these cool things. I can do that every day, just driving around town with my kids. I'm like, hey, I grew up there. We pass it every day. I tell them, you know, the road we live on is the road I used to travel on the way to school all the time growing up. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm not good at moving. I'm not good at change. Uh, I'm not good at leaving behind things that I love. I like comfort and security. Um, I still, until like a year ago, had my, my, you know, graduation gown uh, from the University of Delaware. And Mandy was like, why do you keep this? I was like... I earned that gown, you know, like I want, I want to keep, I've got journals uh, upstairs in my attic sealed up. I've got notes from Rob's class at the University of Delaware classes that I took with you. Um, I was a really good student and I would uh, manipulate my schedule to have as many of Rob's classes as possible. So uh, true, true story. So I just, I keep things. I'm like right on the line of being a hoarder. Like it's, it's close, but it's not quite unhealthy, which is probably what all hoarders say, right? Um, just to like prepare for this teaching, I went through my closet and got rid of some clothes yesterday. And uh, there's, there's some clothes, you know, do you ever look in the closet and there's a shirt that you're like, to be objective, I haven't worn this in three years, but I might. You know, like it's the, the cold season's coming. I might wear it this year. Like, I don't know if I should get rid of it or not. Let's, let's wait. It's I, I'm not good at parting with things. So this is scary. This whole, this whole endeavor here is scary for me personally. And I know, like, let's talk about that for all of us. Change is scary for all of us. Um, I grew up in this church. Like Bruce said, I came here when I was 12 years old. Um, and it was amazing. Like, the first miracle is that um, a Methodist family was able to walk into this crazy charismatic, circle Jewish dancing, bongo playing, screaming at the top of their lungs, two and a half hour service church, and ever come back. It was amazing. But we 
not only came back, we drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, I was on the dance team within a couple of weeks. I have the sweatpants to prove it, you know? I didn't keep those. Um, you know, Bruce and Lynn, the, the story of Bruce and Lynn, what they've done in our lives, is there's nothing I'd ever be able to say that would do it justice. You know, what I remember as a kid is that they loved my parents and that they loved my mom. And we came from a church where um, we had a great pastor who moved and another pastor came in and, and kind of just got tired of the fact that my mom's problems wouldn't go away. And uh, for those of you who don't know, my mom's chronically ill my whole life. And so I never have felt that from Bruce and Lynn. And, um, and even better, they're never tired of my problems, which also have never gone away. Um, but they, they accepted my family. They loved us. And, you know, um, writing, writing out some thoughts last night, just thinking, like, everything that I know about spiritual life, I've learned from them, really. Like, the way that I pray, uh, the way that I worship, the way that I read the Bible, the way that I teach, I've learned that all from them. And, but it goes beyond Bruce and Lynn. I think about the barn. This is the place where all of my children have been born. I can remember coming with my little babies into Girls, Inc. If those of you who remember Girls, Inc., that was definitely our favorite place to meet. Not. Um, and, you know, we've had, we've had mountaintop experiences and we've had valley experiences. It's been with this body that we've buried two of our children and buried my mom. You know, in this building. Um, that we had the service for my mom. And, but the point is, it's not about this building. It's about you. Like the church, the barn is the people, some of whom are here, some of whom have gone on to do other things, but the barn is the people. And I'm, it's hard for me to leave the people. You know, I've been walking around the building a little bit lately thinking, you know, it's the last time I'm going to do this, last time I'm going to do this in this physical building. And that's kind of sad. But the, the sad thing is the people. And I just want to say that the barn has been the most incredible place to be a part of something. And one would ask, why on earth would you leave? You know, why would you leave? Why would you leave people who love you, who know you? Why would you leave a place you don't have to set up? (laughs) A sound system that is automatically EQ'd to the room already Beautiful stuff that Joyce has designed out there in the atrium. Like, why would you leave uh, the comfort of home? You know, you are home for me and my family. And, um, but I think Christians have done this since the beginning. Christians have left what's comfortable. You know, you don't have to look any further than Bruce and Lynn. I mean, I don't know if you know their story, but they, they decided to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And because of that, we're were kind of asked, I don't know if asked is even really what happened, to leave their church home, you know, uh, like that. They were asked. Um, that, that couldn't have been easy. I mean, you guys were what, early 20s? And younger than that? 19. Can you imagine? And, and to step out and say, okay, God, you know, why would they do that? Why would they then say, you know what, I have a good idea. Let's invite people onto our property. Let's, let's give up our home every week for years. And then let's give up our barn. And then, you know what, let's build a gigantic building on our property. Like, why not? There's no risk at all involved in that, right? I mean, why do people do these things? Why over the last 10, 15 years have Bruce and Lynn 
just handed stuff off. If you've worked with Bruce and Lynn, you know that they hand things off. They hand off leadership. They hand off position. They hand off authority. Um, they, they, and, and now, like, in another wave of kind of that, they're, they're handing off a huge chunk of this body to go and do something more. Why? Why would you do this? You know, and I want to say it to you, the barn people, and to city light people, this is a sacrifice for all of us. This is not something that we, should, we would sit around and say, I've got an easy idea. This will be easy, and this will, be, let's, this will make life less complicated. Let's do this. No, this is much more complicated. You know, for those of you who are staying, there's a relational break of why don't we get to see these people on Sunday morning anymore? And, and there's, there's holes to fill. Already people are being asked to step up into positions that they haven't had to step up into before. And City Light, you are being asked to go set up everything every Sunday. To, you know, I know someone told me the chairs aren't that bad, but I have a thing about chairs, and those chairs are bad. Right? They are, there's not even cushions. I'm already contemplating buying cushions, just like, you know, those— uh, you, that you get at bleachers at soccer games or football games. Like, we need some of those. And the beer hats, too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, but you're going to be sitting in the—it's it's, it's poorly lit. This is my sales pitch for City Light. I'm working on it. Um, it doesn't smell bad, which is nice. That's one thing I was worried about being a gym. But I think the answer is that we do this because Jesus' followers live their lives with open hands and bent knees. Jesus' followers live their lives in, in that position. I'm going to go ahead and do it just so you can see it. But like, this is how we live our lives before God. We're saying, my hands are open. Like, there's nothing in my life that I hold on to so much that I'm not willing to give it to you, God. And God asks us to give up things that we love. And there's nothing that you can't put into my hands. See, if my hands are closed, he can't put anything new into my hands either. My hands are open and my knees are bent. We live our lives with open hands and bended knees or bent knees. I spent some time Googling what was the correct way to say that. Um, Bent is English correct, except for if you're talking about your knees, you're allowed to say bended. Who knew? What if I taught the whole rest of teaching like this? Would that be awkward for you? Yeah, me too. We, We live on bended knees because we're submitted to God. Because we're saying our lives are a prayer that says your will be done. Your will, not mine. And I think that that's what we're all doing here. We're all opening our hands and bending our knees and saying, we don't know what this ex- even means. We don't know what this will look like, but we're willing. We're willing, God. And the Lord dropped a, a, a chunk of scripture into my heart a couple weeks ago as I was be- beginning to pray about, you know, what do you say at this teaching? And so I want to just read this verse uh, kind of slowly together. And this is as Jesus is heading into Jerusalem before the cross. So if you can throw up the next slide. Thanks. Okay. So Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he's sitting there looking at the cross. I mean, metaphorically. He probably can't see it yet. But metaphorically, he knows where he's headed. He knows what it's going to entail. And he's saying, the time has come for my mission to be completed. He knows that it's going to be painful. But what he's focused on is that he's part of something bigger. That something bigger is at stake than his own personal comfort. That something bigger is at stake than his own personal pain that he's about to go through. And he's saying, knowing what this will cost me, it is worth it. And that's what you're saying. And that's what we are saying. That's what it means to live with open hands and bended knees. is to say, I know this is going to cost me, but it's worth it. Because this is for something bigger. Guys, we are part of 
the greatest movement to ever sweep the face of the earth. We are. We're part of the salvation of the world. And our primary target is to make, like this is, this is uh, G, um, Jesus. I almost called you Jesus, Lynn. Close. Lynn coined this phrase years ago, and it stuck with me. We exist to make the name of Jesus famous. And that's what we're all about. Whether it's barn or city light, we're all going out into our lives, into our communities, because we're part of the greatest movement and the most needed movement that's ever touched earth. Jesus began it, but we're still part of it. It's not, if, if you institutionalize what we do here, you take, it becomes something other than what Jesus started. We're not an institution. We're not like the YMCA, right? We're not just here to do good things. We are the church. The New Testament church is a movement. It's a people that's on move, on mission, flooding the earth with the good news. And the good news is that Jesus has come to rescue people from the kingdom of darkness and deliver them into the kingdom of light. Amen. And we get to be part of that. And so we sit here and we think, this is going to cost me. This is going to be less comfortable. I'm going to miss this person. Why would I do this? And the answer is, you know, why would you have people meet in your home? Why would you build a building on your property? Why would you sacrifice hours and hours and hours of your life? Because the mission is greater. Because I'm part of something bigger. Because ultimately what matters when I die is have I moved the movement forward? If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you live your life with hands open and knees bent and you're saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, whatever it takes. So Jesus says, the hour has come. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. And I want to recognize the fact that this is painful. Everybody, I think, knows that. And it's not wrong for us to say there is a grieving process to what is happening here. For us as a church. And again, the reason that we embrace that is that we know we're called to something bigger. And when what has been the past, you know, 15, 20 years, it's going to go into the ground. Because God has more. And we've felt it for a long time about the barn. Those of you who are prophetic, we, we have for years gotten prophetic words of expansion, of reaching more people, of pictures of, you know, just all sorts of different pictures of growth. And this is part of the process that, to be honest with you, I was living in denial for. You know, one of my greatest dreams in my life was to become the pastor of the barn after Bruce and Lynn. And... It took me probably five years, the last five years, to lay that down. And that wasn't something that I wanted. Um, I can remember for the first year, the first time we talked about this idea was actually five years ago. And after the meeting, Titus pulled me aside. Titus was an elder of our church. Many of you know him. And he said, you know, Christian, what if you're not meant to become the next pastor of the barn? What if you have to start something? I said, I, I really don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I really like the, the deal we've got going here. I really love the barn. Like, I can't, I have literally have said, I do not want to plant a church many times. But there was just, when Titus said that, it was like, have you ever had someone speak the word of God to you and you don't want to hear it? You know, it's like, wait, no, stop, don't say it. You know, but it like went in, you know, it was like, oh no, right? 
And I wrestled with that for, for a long time, and, and I've resisted it. And um, I think that I've had not a great attitude about it at times. But sometimes you have to give something up. I mean, I was living like this, right? But we have to do this. And it's hard. But God has more for the barn. You know, we know this instinctively as parents. Um, Elliot is 14 now. And I realized that uh, the way that I've managed his basketball career, I've kind of messed up. Because when he was younger, I would let him win. Because I thought that was a good way for parents to raise their kids. And now that he's older, I can't beat him. So... I have never had a season where I've beat him. And I just wish somewhere along the line, I would have just like destroyed him for a couple months straight and just put him in his place. But I missed my opportunity, you know? And so this opportunity to, okay, maybe that's not the best story. Let me tell you a different one. (laughs) This is for real. Uh, I used to coach Elliot and Samuel in soccer. And I love coaching and I love coaching their teams. And it was special. And I knew all along that it wasn't going to last. And so I, am, I tried to like, you know when you like know you have a special season, you try to like drink it as deeply as you can. I just loved those moments because I knew they wouldn't last. And there came a time where I just wasn't a good enough coach anymore for what they needed. And I had to step aside and let them move into the next season of their, of their development as soccer players. And that was hard for me. I wanted to continue. And I still, I still sometimes or all the time, think about ways that I could insert myself. Like, I just went to, there's a new season, and there's a new coach, and I was like, sitting there in the meeting thinking, I wonder if he'd let me be the assistant. Like, I literally, I've laid it down, but only like halfway. And I continually think about picking it back up. But there are times when you have to let things go that are good, so that the better can happen. And, And this was better for Elliot to be coached by other people, which is hard for me to say. I think I'm a good coach. And this is what we're doing. I believe there are many seeds coming. I think that seeds from the barn and seeds from City Light are going to be going in. Seeds that will lead to the salvation of the lost. Seeds that will lead to the healing of the broken relationally, emotionally, physically. Seeds that will lead to reconciliation. Seeds that will lead to hope for the hopelessness. This is what it's all about. This is why we do this. Why we do this is because we have the good news. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can come into someone's life who is broken, and we can see radical transformation by the power of God. And we're not about keeping that to ourselves. And so we open our hands, and we allow the Lord to take the seed and begin to spread it. And I believe that there are more seeds to come. But here's the catch. This is what he says. Here's who gets to be part of this. And this is what's hard. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. So he's saying, hey, this is how it works. I'm about to be glorified. I know it's hard, but a seed has to go into the ground for many seeds to come, and that's the goal. We have more to do, guys. Here's who gets to be part of it. If you love your life, you're not going to get to be part of this. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. Think about where he's about to go when he says that. Whoever serves me will follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. He's about to go to the cross and lay his life down to be the seed that goes into the ground. He's saying, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to open your hands and bend your knees. 
you're going to have to say, yes, Lord, whatever the cost. You're going to have to join me where I am at the foot of the cross. And my Father will honor the one who serves me. I think that's the first encouraging thing he said. (laughs) My Father will honor the one who does this. And I just want to say, God honors you. Barn, God honors you for your willingness to launch City Light. And City Light, God honors you for being willing to go. We don't know what's going to happen. Really. I mean, we really do not know. (laughs) I have like two brains as I think about the future. And one is like grandiose, like, wow, hundreds of people getting saved. And the other one is me living in my dad's basement in a year. So it's like those those two. He said I could. So... Just me. I don't know what my family is going to do. <laughs> but um, I also just want to say that God honors Bruce and Lynn. And leadership, leadership really is crucial in the body of Christ. And where, where leaders' hearts go, the people often go, right? Especially good leaders. And um, so we at City Light wanted to honor you guys. Um, so I handmade this. Just kidding. <laughs> I had very little to do with this. It was handmade, but not by me. Um, Joyce made this, and it's beautiful. And um, inside, there are um, letters from most of us at City Light who wanted to just tell you. Now, so here's the, the only hesitation I had in doing this is this isn't like an end. This can feel a little bit like a eulogy, and it's not that, right? We're continuing relationship. We're moving together in the kingdom. But at the same time, this is a transition. And we all wanted to tell you guys how much you mean to us and what you've given to us and how grateful we are. So um, there may be some more that come, just so you know. We try to get all of them in here. There's a lot, but there may be some more. But um, could we all just honor Bruce and Lynn by just giving them a round of applause for all that they do? I'm going to give it to Lynn. Mention all the money. Oh, and all the money. Sorry. <laughs> What's great is Lynn and I share this, uh, this opinion that it's more meaningful to handwrite things. However, we hate our handwriting, and so we often type stuff and put a handwriting font to it to make it look meaningful. And I just want you to know that's what Mandy and I did, okay? <laughs> just so that you can read it. <laughs> um, okay, so the last thing he says here is now, and I love the honesty of Jesus. I mean, just like side note, Bible nerd. If we were making this stuff up, we wouldn't put this in there about our God, right? If someone was fabricating this story, we wouldn't have our God show weakness. But it's so powerful how, I mean, if you study other religions, there isn't this highlight of the weakness of our God and the suffering of our God. But it's so powerful that he let that happen because, as he said, he he became like us 
so that he could be our high priest in all things. So side note over. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? I mean, I've been there. It's usually like when I'm taking a shower and I have time to think, or when I'm trying to fall asleep and I have time to think, and I think, what have I done? What are we doing? But Jesus is looking at this and he's like, okay, what am I going to say? Father, save me from this hour? And he just kind of repositions his heart. No, it's for this very reason that I came. And he turns his heart towards God and he says, Father, glorify your name. Not your will. No, I always do that wrong. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. It's Jesus. He's opening his hands. He's bowing before his Father. And he's saying, what am I going to do? Father, glorify your name. He lives with his hands open. We are called to live with our hands open and our knees bent before God. We're saying, what you want in my life trumps what I want, what I like, what I desire, what makes me comfortable, what I think is better even. There are times when we think we know what's right and God is pushing us in a different direction. And we're saying, I mean, this is the kind of people that Jesus is looking for. The kind of people who are willing to plan a church, to part ways, to take financial risk, to take relational risk. He's looking for people in the earth who are willing to say, yes, God, because the world is worth it, because your children who don't know you yet are worth it, because, Father, glorify your name through us. Glorify your name through us. We open our hands and we bend our knees and we say, yes, Lord. So guys, I want to encourage us all to keep our hands open as we move into this next season. God is going to be asking us to lay more things down, I'm sure. And God is going to be placing more things into our hands. And it could be small. You know, um, one of the things that, that we're wrestling with at City Light is how much time I get to spend on the worship team. Playing drums is one of my favorite things to do in worship. And I'm not going to get, I already don't do it as much as I'd like, and I'm going to probably do it less. If I was, if I had, if it was about me, I would do that all the time. But it's not about me. And that's just a small example. God's going to be asking us to open our hands over and over and over again. And he's going to have new stuff. Some of you are going to have, God's going to come put something in your hands, and you're going to be like, I can't do that. But you're going to have to. <laughs> you're going to have to step out in courage. I've had so many conversations with people going with us who are saying yes to God, but it's like, yes. Like, okay, this scares me. This is hard. I never thought I'd do this, but yes. And that is such a big step. And we need to keep our knees bent. We need to keep saying, God, what are you doing? I mean, he's like the wind, right? We can't predict it. We need to be saying, God, what are you doing now? What is the Father doing? And our heart needs to be, yes, Lord. I'm almost done. I don't feel like the middle school has come up yet. Um, is there someone who could run down there real quick? Okay. We want the kids to be part of this. Um, all right, let me read this quote to you. That uh, Mandy, Mandy is more holy than I am. Shocker, I know. And she sent me, uh, she sends me these emails of teachings that she reads, and this is really good. Um, so this is Charles Swindoll. Committed individuals live with shallow tent pegs. I love that. 
I, I don't think that def- uh, speaks to me. Like, I don't think that's who I am. I wish I was more like that. It reminds me of the Jesuits. Um, they had this saying where they would live with one foot in the air, which is hard if you ever try to do this. But it's the sense that I'm always ready to step into the next thing that God is calling me to. All right? So committed individuals live with shallow temp eggs because we've got to be able to pull up and move when God says move. They may own things, but nothing owns them. They've come to terms with merchandise that has a price tag, and they've opted for commitment to values that are priceless. And that's us, isn't it? We've said what really matters is the kingdom of God. What really matters is the kingdom of God, what God is calling us to do. Great people model self-denial as they make significant contributions to humanity. I'm so um, honored and privileged to be part of what God's doing to have been part of what God has done at the barn, to be part of what God's doing now in this new season. Um, I just think, like, what if all Christians lived with open hands and bent knees? What if all Christians were willing to do this? And what's exciting is, maybe you know this, but, like, there are Christians in America doing this right now. There are churches planting churches, planting churches in America. I know them because I'm talking to them a lot, saying, what do we do? Like, all the time. But it's happening. You know, we pray and talk about revival here, and this is one of God's tools for revival, is to take— Do you know, I, I learned this fact this, this week, actually. You know, um, the Wesleyans—I haven't even told you guys this yet, but the Wesleyans um, were a church planning movement, and one of the things that they did on purpose is they would put a church down, and then they would put another one down in 15 minutes away, on purpose, and then another one down— 15 minutes away. And there was incremental steps to reach the world. I thought, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> Confirmation, again. But it's, it's this sense of we're, we're sent and we're just going to go take more. So who knows what area is next, right? This isn't the end. This is the beginning. Many seeds is what is in my heart. So let me challenge you guys today. Just ask the Lord, heading into this new season, are your hands open Are you saying, and are your knees bent? Are you saying yes, Lord, to what he has for you? Remember that we're part of something bigger and the best is yet to come. Um, I'm going to pray to kill some time. (laughs) I mean, it might take us a while to get everybody up here, I guess. But uh, um, I I wanted to pray for the barn. So let's do that. God, I just um, pray that you would pour out your spirit here at the barn more and more and more. We just say the, the classic vineyard prayer, more, Lord, more of your presence, more of your power, more of your healings, more of your deliverance, God, more of your revival. God, I pray that the fire that is burning in this, in this barn would spread in the name of Jesus. And God, we say yes to what you have here. We say yes to the plans that you have, God. God, I pray that you would, 
Like you say here, that your father will honor those who serve you, that you would honor the barn, that as they have sacrificially given into this new church, that you would bless them back a hundredfold in Jesus' name, that you would bless them back spiritually, relationally, financially, God, that you would bless them back, that they would see a tidal wave of blessing coming your way, their way, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, okay. So, yeah, do we want the kids?